you all. We we are going to be over in the book of Genesis chapter 32. Genesis, the 32nd chapter. Before we do that, we're going to do a little magic trick with you. And so if uh, now you want to participate in this as, as much as you can. So if you have some paper, your bulletin, something like that, uh, pull that out. Write, have something you can write this down. This is what I want you to do first off. I want you to pick a number between 1 and 9. Any number between 1 and 9. Now, multiply that number by 9. Whatever number you picked, multiply it by 9. Add the digits of your answer together. So if you pick 2 and you have 9, you have 18, add the 2 together to get 1 plus 8. Add those two digits together. If you're doing this in your head, you're really good. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm just saying you're really good. That's, uh, you're all, all doing fine. Now, you got that number? Subtract 5. Now, if A equals 1, B equals 2, or C equals 3, what letter is represented by the number you have? Don't tell. Now, think of a country beginning with that letter. Next, think of a mammal beginning with the last letter of that country. Now, think of a fruit beginning with the last letter of that animal. <laughs> when they do this as a magic trick up in a, in a, in a place, they'll actually uh, call out to the, to the folks, or they may actually just pick somebody out and say, how many... Uh, how many, they, they get? How many kangaroos do we have living in Denmark who eat oranges? <laughs> there we go. They said 98% of the people in the, in the crowd will pick those three things. And it's, uh, now, it's a magic trick. And, of course, you're thinking, well, I picked any number that I wanted. But magic, the goal of a magic trick is to get you to the place that they want you to be at in your thoughts, in your expectations, without you realizing that you were led there. And then you think you got there all by yourself. Well, in much the same way, our enemy does the same thing. And he tries to influence our thoughts, influence us to have the same kind of results that he wants and to bring you in there. We talked before, a long time ago when we were in this series. We wanted to get back to it. We talked about the five stages of speech. We wrote them down here again for you. Whatever I know, I speak out of whatever it is that I know. I speak out of whatever I understand. I speak out of whatever I feel. I speak out of whatever I reason. And I speak out of whatever I hear. They're not necessarily progressive. Three of these are, are progressive and things that we, we, we start in as far as I speak what I know. Young Christians speak whatever it is that they know. They don't know if it's right. They don't know if it fits. They don't know if it applies. But they will speak whatever it is that they know. Just like a young child. A young child will speak whatever it is they know. They don't always know that you shouldn't say certain things in certain places. But they just say what they know. Then we begin to speak, to speak things that we understand. Well, I understand this. Therefore, it helped me. So it should help you. And we just speak whatever it is that we understand. Regardless of whether the Spirit of God is leading us to speak it or not. We can cause some damage with some people, some hurts with this, because we just speak what we understand, not what the Spirit of God is telling us. We can cause some people to be misunderstanding where they're supposed to be in their walk. We then talk about what I feel. What I feel is, when we speak out of what I feel, this is a distraction. This is not a progression. This is a ditch. Whatever I reason, whatever I can figure out, whatever I can 
contemplate with my mind, whatever I can put together with my, with my mind. The Pharisees reasoned together, and then they spoke things. The last thing was whatever I hear. This is the place we want to get to. Those last two were just pitfalls. Don't get into those. But whatever I hear, when the Spirit of God says something to me, regardless of whether I understand it, I speak it. I don't understand how this matters to someone, but you just speak it. Now, some people are just getting their feet wet in this area, and you hear them say this. Well, I don't know if this means anything to anyone here. See, they're, they're not all that sure about it yet. No, if God says something to you, then you just say it. You just speak it out. And, and that's all, all there is to it. That's where we need to get to. And we talked about what I know, whatever I know, whatever I understand, and whatever I hear in past ones. We're going to take a look at this pitfall here of whatever I feel. Speaking whatever I feel. We're going to go back to a story we haven't covered in a number of years. By my, by my logs that I have, it's been about a dozen years since we talked about this story. So um, maybe we've referred to it here and there, but we haven't actually delved into this one. So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 32 and look at Jacob. So Jacob went on his way. This is after he left Laban. He had the conversation with Laban, I need to go. And... Um, You've uh, ripped me off a whole mess of times, and I'm not going to have that anymore, so I'm going to leave. So the, they finally got off to where the, uh, Laban was going to let him go. So Jacob went on his way, and the angel of God met him. Oh, the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom. Edom is the country that... Uh, Esau had. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord, Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I might find favor in in your sight. Remember the last time? If you uh, know Genesis, the last time these two saw each other, Esau was ready to kill Jacob as soon as his father died. So his mother sent him off. He was the mama's boy. Esau was the daddy's boy. So mom wanted to protect him. So she sent him off. Said, you need to go over to my, uh, uh, to Laban, my relatives. Head on out there and uh, hide. <laughs> Get away from here. And so he was separated from Esau. That's the last contact they had. Now, if the last contact you had with somebody was regarding this, what would you expect the next time you saw each other? Because you took his birthright. He took his blessing, and there was nothing left for, for him. So he's mad. He's got to still figure he's mad. It's been a lot of years, but he probably still figures he's mad. And he's afraid of him. Esau was the hunter. Jacob was the mama's boy. You can kind of figure out who's going to work out so real well in that battle. Verse 6, Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau... And he also is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Now, that's not enough of a message, is it? But it's enough of a message to make your head do some things. So you got this guy Esau, you you think he's mad at you. And so you send messengers to try and appease this and get this thing going. And here's what the messengers come back. We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. You know, did he say he liked me? Did he say that uh, uh, everything's okay? Uh, well, he said he's coming to meet you, and he's bringing 400 men with him. What would your expectation be 
if someone you came from who wanted to kill you is now coming with 400 men. No other message than that. Now, your mind can do some stuff with that, right? How many of you could perceive that you might have some feelings that might get stirred up here if you were in his position? See, what happens when we're in life is that reports come to us, people say things to us, or people say what others have said to us, and it begins to, on the inside, produce some things. One of those things can be fear. And we're going to see that this is very much what Jacob has. He feels fearful. He thinks the worst. Now, none of you folks sitting here, if you get a report that's not particularly favorable, would you think the worst? Of course, you would think the best, right? No, we, we have a tendency, come on, we even face people, we can sometimes fall off in the ditch and we can start to think the worst. If you get a report from one of your friends and it's kind of encrypted and you're not quite sure, what, and you might think, oh, I guess they don't like me anymore. We might think the worst of things. And, you know, you go talk to that person and say, why did you think that? Well, I just was thinking because I heard this. Or, you know, sometimes it's not even them who said it. Somebody reports to us what they said, just like it is here. They reported what they said, and feelings begin to go on. Now, what happens when you have those feelings about people that you were once close to, and then you hear that they said certain things or are doing certain things? As in this case, bringing 400 men with them on a trip to see you. He was not willing to wait for you to get to him. He wants to meet you. He's coming to where you are. So that stirs some things up. And it does for, for Jacob very much. And here's the problem that we run in, is that we begin to speak out of those feelings instead of what we heard from the Spirit of God. Now, well, he has heard a lot of things from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God said, you're going to be blessed. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Uh, all these things, uh, your, your descendants are going to multiply. But right now, he's facing opposition to that thing that Jesus said. And that is, someone wants to kill me. If they come to kill him... What do you think the chances are that they might also kill his kids and his wives? It's, it's a, it, it, and it, it certainly in his mind, is that, not, is that not a place you would go? Wouldn't that be something that you'd be thinking of? Our mind just begins to go all kinds of places. Now, you can take this to other, other spots as well. You go to the doctor. You get a, a, a test done, blood test done, and they come back and say, Well, we're not sure what this means, but these levels were not where they were supposed to be. So we don't want to jump to any conclusions right now, but we want to have some more tests. What does your mind say? Man, I must have Superman blood. They must see something inside of me. I just must be coming across really strong. They just saw something that they've never seen a human specimen this, this uh, strong as, as me. and They just want to do some more tests. To fig- Is that what you think? No, what do we usually think? Oh, man, they, they found something. Hey, I wonder, I wonder if it's fatal. Oh, I think they found something fatal. I wonder if I have a, a month to live, maybe, maybe a year. What if I only have a week? What do, I, what do I do? And your mind begins, doesn't it? Your mind begin to do these things? And you begin to think, and you begin to go to bed at night, and you lay awake thinking what? I wonder what they're going to find in the next test. I can't do the next test until tomorrow. What am I going to do? How long is it going to take to get those results back? Am I going to be, 
Am I going to be? What if they? What if they find something else? And we have to go in and do some something. And you begin to do all this, don't you? Because you're doing what? You're speaking out of your feelings. See, your feelings are out of control, and they're just going all kinds of places. And what are you doing? You're feeding it. You're feeding it because you keep thinking on all these things. Don't do it. I mean, what, what if you showed up at work on Monday, and you get a note from a secretary? She says, he says, whoever it is. The, uh, the boss wants to see you right away. How many of you are thinking, oh, it's raise time? <laughs> are we thinking that? What are we usually thinking? What did I do? Oh, did I make a mistake with that report? Was it, did I mess something up on that report I turned in? Maybe my expenses were off. Did I, I came in, you know, I came in late one time last week. Maybe he's upset. And we begin to go over all these different things. What's, what's going to happen? I, on the way to the boss's office. If we get to the boss's office and they say, well, he had a meeting with someone else he has to do first. Uh, he'll meet with you as soon as he's done, a couple hours later. And you have a couple more hours to stew on this. What's that do to you? You begin to think more and more. What other bad things could happen? And you begin to talk to some of the other people around the water cooler or around the desk. boss wants to see me. I don't know why the boss wants to see me. Did you hear anything? Am I being fired? Begin to to voice this because we are speaking out of our feelings. Even if I don't voice it to other people, I can voice it to myself. And I can be to talk to myself and tell myself how bad it is. And we begin to speak this. And as we've been, all the songs and all the first part of the service is all about your words. What kind of change you can break with with your words. With the things that you say and the things you believe, we can also put these chains on us. Now, is, is you thinking about what it might be going to change what that boss is going to say to you? No. no. Has no impact on it at all. So why do we do it? Your worry and anxiety about the test that's there, is that going to produce any anxiety for you at all? No. It's not going to help it one bit. It, it just isn't. It's not going to, but we'll still do it. It's useless. It's fruitless. Bears no, uh, has no effect upon what it is that we're going to receive in the end, but we still do it. And we play right into the hands of the enemy. Because the enemy knows if I can get your feelings stirred up and get you to speak out of these feelings, I've got you. Now understand this. This isn't always negative. There are times that we have someone we care very much for and our feelings are involved for that person. And we don't want to hear what the Word of God has to say about them. person may be uh, unemployed and we care greatly about that person. We love that person because they're a relative or, or whatever, grew up with them, whatever, but they're not following God. They're not doing the things that God told them to do. And, and we go to God in prayer. God, they need a job. Oh, Father God, just give... Bless them with a job. Open up a thing for them for a, for a job. We're, but can we pray that? No. What we ought to do is go up to them and say, hey, get right with God. Straighten up your life and let God help fix this. But we don't do that. No, we'd rather go to God and pray. And by doing this, the enemy gets you to put your faith in something you don't have word for. And if he can get you to put your faith into something there is no word for... 
You are not a faith person. You are a feelings person. But you think you're a faith person. And when it doesn't come through, you think your faith has failed. And then the enemy comes on and tells you, you're a faith failure. You're no good at this. God doesn't like you. God isn't going to work for you. When all it was was, he got you to believe something there is no word for. That is just as destructive as the other way around. Don't fall into either ditch. Don't speak out of your feelings. Speak out of your belief. Well, let's take a look at uh, Jacob here again. Then the messenger returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid. That's not just afraid, is it? That is greatly afraid. And distressed. He's not just afraid. He's distressed. He's got everything going on. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. So we're, we're, we're going to you know, hedge our bets here just in case it doesn't work with God. Just in case that happens. I'm going to take one half of all my stuff and put it here and the other half and put it over here. This way I only lose half. I only lose half of my wives. I only lose half of the handmaidens. I only lose half of my sons. I only lose half of my sheep. And lose half of my camel. Now, he's going to be upset if you lose any, any half of them. But at least he's only lost half. That's his thinking. We'll split it up into companies. That's it. How do you get to that spot? You reason it out, don't you? But he did that because of his feelings. He's feeling stress. He's feeling fear. These are things that got stirred up. The Word of God didn't stir that up to him. He even saw the angels uh, of God. In his way. He saw them there. That's got to be a good sign. And then he hears this report. This isn't so good. It stirs up all sorts of stuff. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then, the God, then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. Now he's praying, right? First, let's divide all this stuff up. First, let's, let's take care of all this stuff. And then after that, well, let's pray. Let's, let's pray. Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. That sounds good, doesn't it? The Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. Now, this is not a bad prayer, but he should have started with this. Instead of getting into the fear and the distress. As soon as he heard the report, he should have gone right into this prayer. You said, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. So I'm going to believe that, and I'm not going to go dividing my company up. But he didn't do that. I am not worthy of the least of the mercies of all the truth which you have shown your servant. Isn't that an easy prayer to do? How many of you can pray something right now and just say, I am not worthy? That's real easy to believe. Right? It's easy to believe I'm not worthy. It's hard to believe that I am. But I have been made worthy because of what Jesus Christ has done, not because of what, we, what I did or you did. We don't receive what we receive from God because of what we do. We receive it because of grace and mercy. By faith, we go out there and we receive it. 
we, uh, we, we take that thing by faith. That's how we've got to stand. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth. But you have shown your servant, and I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. You know, don't just do it for me. The woman and children are, are at stake here. Certainly God likes to save women and children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now, this is always a good thing to do. Put God in remembrance of his word. Always a good thing to do. Don't, don't, don't ever feel like you have to remind God. First off, God didn't forget. You don't have to remind him. You don't have to talk God into it because God said he would do it. But when you say this and say, God, this is what you said in your word, you're saying, you said this and I believe it. That's what you're saying. And that's what you need to do. That's good on your part. It's good for God because God says, look at that. He believes my word. <laughs> that's all right. And that's what we need to do. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Well, if, you know, if you're going to become... A multitude like that, you got to keep the ones you got. You can't go off dying and losing them. Now, if you look at his life so far, he had a, a time with his brother Esau, and God brought him out of that, even though he was deceptive. He was over there with Laban, and God brought him out of that and even caused him to prosper, even though Laban tried to deceive him out of his riches. And God worked with him. God helped him out there. You would think that'd be enough to... Uh, you could just look back on that, but it's not, and nor is it for us. How many times have we had God move on our behalf, healed us, delivered us, saved us, provided for us in the past, and then as soon as something bad happens, as soon as a bad report comes in, what do we do? Oh, God, I'm going to die. This is it. This is, who's that, the, the, the guy on the, the Sanford and Son? No, holding the heart. This is it, Elizabeth. This is the big one. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, there, there was something. I didn't watch that show a whole lot, but I watched it enough to know about Elizabeth. So he lodged there that same night and took what came into his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. So we prayed. All right, we prayed. I don't know that that's enough. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, you pray. But I'm not sure that praying's enough here. I think we need to do a little bit more besides pray. What else can we do? I know. Let's send a gift. We get the present ready. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 fowls. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants. Every drove, uh, every drove by itself and said to his servants, Pass over before me and put some distance between the successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong and where are you going? Who are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob. It is a present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. So this is what he's doing. He took all the camels, and that's, that's one drove. He took all the sheep, and that's another drove. He took all, every, every group of that is a drove, and he put them in and put a little space in between it. 
so when he gets to the first one, this is a gift. Now, I don't know if he did it this way, but if you're going to do it this way, you want to do the smallest gift first, the smallest drove first. And you come on in and say, oh, wow, that's impressive. Uh, that's, that's, that's quite a, a, a gift there. And then the next one is bigger. And then the next one is bigger. And then the next one is It's better to go bigger, 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 bigger than it is to get a really big gift and then go smaller, 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 smaller. That's just not the, the way to do it. I mean, come on, think about this. We've got Christmas coming up. When you have uh, presents for your kids, do you start with the big one? No. Which one do you start with? You know, the stuff they don't care about, the pajamas. Here's the pajamas. All right, that's, that's great. I got pajamas. Uh, here's some socks. You know, socks, wonderful. Needed socks. All right, what else we got here? You know, we start off with the small stuff. We, we don't start off with the big stuff and end up with the socks. It's just, that's not the effect that we want. I think that's the same kind of pattern that Jacob probably followed here. But he's doing this in droves. He wants this gift to have maximum effect. So probably he sends the smallest drove up first, and then the next biggest one, and then the next biggest one, and then the next biggest one, and then uh, probably the camels or you know something the big group is there at the end. And uh, H1 says, yeah, Jacob's he's behind us. All right, he's behind. All right, we'll get up there and see him. And uh, he gets another gift, and then another gift. You know, because 400 men are coming with him, he wants to kind of lessen this. Make it so that uh, he won't kill him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. Now, that the word that Jacob got, did God say, All right, I'm going to deliver you from your brother as long as you appease him first? Because you took some stuff from him. You need to make up for that. And he didn't do it. God didn't say that, did he? So the present went on over before him but he himself lodged that night in the camp so these are uh, all presents for Esau as we said it was a gift in waves came in waves one wave after another each one probably bigger than the other Jacob's strong desire to reconcile with his brother instead of just fleeing could be due to a change of his attitude how many of you ever had a change of attitude and you wanted to show that to people I'm not like that anymore as he know, now knows what it's like to have someone do what is legal to rob you of what is yours. He knows what that's like. And he didn't like it. And so he wants to do some things to try and appease his brother. Jacob is trying to demonstrate his new nature to Esau. He's trying to show him, hey, look, this is who I am now. That he would rather give than receive and serve instead of manipulate. That's a good nature. It's a good thing to do, but he's trying to show it off instead of just letting God do this for him. Verse 22, And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. So he sent his, his wives over. He sent all his stuff over. He's by himself at this point. Why is he by himself? Sometimes, have you ever asked this question? I know I've asked this question myself sometimes. You, I think every person here has probably asked this question at some point. But here's Jacob all by himself. Before, what did he have? He had two wives, two handmaidens, 12 sons, mess of donkeys, camels, goats, sheep, who knows what else. All kinds of stuff. Now he's got nothing. 
No sheep, no camels, no goats, nothing. He's by himself. Why is he by himself? Is it God's will that Jacob be by himself right now? Why is he by himself? Because he sent everyone away. Right? I mean, that's, that's deep, I've realized. But he's alone because he sent everybody away. See, some, sometimes, folks, we've gotten ourselves alone because we've sent everybody away. Listen to your speech sometime. If all the time that comes out of your mouth is always something negative, is always something about, oh, poor, woe is me. Poor me, poor me, poor me. Oh, woe is me. Oh, life is hard. If every time you get around somebody, you've got to tell them about what hurts, what aches, what tragedy has come upon you today, how everyone has jilted you and hurt you and done things. What do people want to do then? They don't want to get away. They don't want to be hanging around this a whole lot. But we'll, we'll blame God. Well, God, I'm alone. must be your will. No! Go out there and be nice to some people. Talk positively. Put into other people's lives. Talk about you know the blessing they are to you. Talk about good things. Just be nice. Be pleasant. There's a whole lot to be said to be pleasant. Just be nice. Don't always be talking about what you don't have, what you gave up, what you lack, what someone hasn't done for you, somebody should be doing. For you. No, don't, don't always talk about that. Talk about positive things. And you know what? People want to start hanging around you. And you ought to do this too. Believe that people want to hang around you. If you believe no one wants to hang around you, guess what? You will have what you believe. Believe that people want to be around you. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to be want to, want to be around you. But there's a whole lot of people who want to be around you. Just just be pleasant. Just be nice. And uh, and you'd be surprised at how many how many people. I mean, you may not have real deep friendships with everybody. But, you know, it's, it's sometimes nice just to see... I mean, it's nice just to see a friendly face. It's just uh, nice to see somebody who, when they see you, they light up and say, Ah, look who's here. We were at the, the King of Prussia Mall yesterday, just kicking around and having some fun after uh, events of the, the day. And uh, there's a guy here. He used to work for, for... Well, he still does. He works for Samsung. And he used to be over in the um, Best Buy over down by our house. And I'd stop in every once in a while. You know, we were talking about Samsung stuff before we got the, the, the new... Um, uh, Thing that they had, and I was talking about the different things they had. And every time I go in, I just uh, make my way on over there and find them and chat with them for a little while. Just a, a real nice guy. Re- really enjoyed him. And then he wasn't in there anymore. I didn't see him anymore. So we were walking around the King of Prussia Mall, and Samsung had a thing set up. And so, you know, it's, it's electronics. It just draws me. So I was over there. We were watching all the stuff that they had, and they had a couple of new products that aren't even on the, on the shelves yet. So we got to see them. We got to play with them. It was kind of fun. And uh, then we left, and we, we went on away, and, um, uh, and Nikolai wasn't with us when Christian and I were looking at the stuff. Nikolai wasn't with us. So I said, oh, Nikolai, you've got to take a look at this new thing, because they got something new coming out that's it's sharp. I'm not buying one, <laughs> but it's sharp. It's, it's just really nice. And so I said, you've got to come over here and take a look at it. So we went over and take a look at it, and lo and behold, guess who was behind the desk this time? My guy was back there. 
So I saw him and said, hey, you're not at the Best Buy anymore. He says, no, I'm over here. And as soon as he saw each other, his face lit up, I lit up. We just enjoyed each other. We shook hands, you know. So they got to have a little bit of a conversation, but then he had to help people and, and stuff like that. It's just nice to be able to do that. Just be pleasant with people. He was always a very pleasant person whenever I went into the store and, and uh, just very nice to, to talk to. And um, it just it goes far. Do that with people. Just be nice. Be kind. You'll find that you'll, you'll have more people that want to hang around you. Just, just, just do that. So Jacob, anyway, he's all by himself. Don't be by yourself. Don't be over there. What happens when we get by ourselves? We have those pity parties. You know how many people come to them? You've heard it before. How many people come to a pity party? Only you. No one else is invited. Nobody else is supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Uh, you all know people that, I'm surely nobody here, but you all know people. And all they do is they talk negative. They always talk down. You just don't want to be around them. Mm. Yeah, you don't, we don't need to do that. Anyway, that's not our topic here today. Where do we leave off at? Verse 24. So he's left alone, and he wrestled with a man until the breaking of day. That's a long time. Have you ever wrestled? Anybody here wrestled? I mean, in high school or somebody wrestled? I wrestled one year. Seventh grade, I wrestled. And, um, you know, it's three matches. They're a minute and a half each each uh, period or whatever. they I don't remember what they call them anymore. It's a, it's a minute and a half. And if you don't get pinned in any of those things, you go on to the second one and the third one. And after the third one, they just count up the score and determine who, who wins. But that's the hardest minute and a half you've ever been involved with. And you come out of that minute and a half, you are tired. That wrestling is, it, it, it's, it's tough. It's, um, it's not easy. You're, you're expending every bit of energy you got in that minute and a half. And then you get a little you know, break for a minute, and then you've got to go back out there and do it again. He did this all night long. Wrestled with somebody. Verse 25. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, this is not just an ordinary angel or an ordinary man. This is, um, this is somebody special. And, and Jacob is wrestling with him. He's wrestling with this guy, special guy, very special guy. And here's what it says. The man that, he's rest, that Jacob is wrestling with did not prevail. That does not mean, don't get this idea, this, that this thing is not teaching that Jacob can beat angels or God. That's not what it's saying. It's just simply saying that the man that he wrestled with did not prevail. Now, think about it this way. Have you ever had a wrestling match with a, a son, daughter, nephew, something like that, um, niece, little person, three years old maybe? And, you know, you're 20, 30, 40 years old. Then you have a wrestling match with a three-year-old. And how many times in those wrestling matches do you body slam them to the carpet, put them in a headlock, and make them beg for mercy? Do we do that? Could you do it? Yes, but you don't. Why? Because they're little. <laughs> so, three-year-old. Who's going to care if you can beat a three-year-old? That's, that's nothing. So you have a wrestling match, and it comes to it. How many times do they come to a draw or the other person wins? The little, little person wins. Really? And they go on out and they brag, I, I beat Uncle Steve. Yeah, I beat him. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and everybody says, oh, blah, that's pretty good that you did that, right? But nobody for a moment thinks that that little child actually could have beaten you. So why do we think that this, this little guy right here, Jacob, could possibly beat someone of this stature? It just says that the man that he wrestled with didn't prevail. It means he probably didn't try. I mean, at the end of this battle, he says, all right, this is enough of that. And he just touches his hip and it becomes dislocated. Okay. I, I don't think he was uh, holding, I don't think he was putting all, the, all that he could into that battle. So don't, don't get hung up on that. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, can you picture this? The little three-year-old is on the carpet and you say, come on, let me go. I want to go eat dinner. I'm not letting you go. <laughs> can you see that happening? Uh-huh. Come on. Come on, little Timmy. Let me go. No, no. I'm not going to let you go. I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Does he think he's talking about this battle? Is there, any other, is there any men involved in this battle? You have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. Now, how many angels are apprehensive about telling their name? Any of them? Have you ever found a time when the angels said, Well, I'm not going to tell you my name. But there is a time when God says, my name is too wonderful. And he blessed him. Jacob called the place, the name of the place, Peniel. For I said, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Now, this is not God the Father. You don't wrestle with God the Father. This is not God the Holy Spirit. It's probably God manifested in the flesh, which is Jesus. Now, as we said, the angel does not prevail, but doesn't say he could not. It just says he did not. There's a difference between not doing something and not being able to do something. Now, Jacob has not crossed over into the promised land here yet. He's not crossed over into the land just yet. So the angel is actually standing between him and the land of blessing. Now, in Hosea chapter 12, we, we read about this battle. Hosea chapter 12 and verse 2. The Lord also brings a charge against Judah. And will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his deeds. He will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel and the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. That's the angel, which the angel of the Lord is the Old Testament Jesus. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor with him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. This is the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorable name. So you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy and justice and wait on your God continually. Now, Jacob's name here gets changed to Israel. Goes from, uh, it means, or changed to Israel, which means prince with God, soldier with God, God wrestling, or God's prince. So he's changed his name. No longer are you going to be called heel catcher. You are going to be called prince with God. That's a whole. That's a good blessing right there. Imagine being like going around saying, instead of saying I'm Jacob, I'm a heel catcher. You're going around. You're saying, I'm a prince with God. But he had to wrestle. He got that wrestling match going on. But God had already seen him wrestle with men and prevail. 
And he went on down there and says, let's see how much he really wants this blessing. Let's see how far he'll go. Will he just give in? Will he just give up? He didn't. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. All right, we're going to bless you then. Verse 31, so he crossed over Penuel. The sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that, that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that, sh- that shrank. So that's just a reason they, they picked that part of the thing up. But Jacob is at a spot right now where he's feeling a lot of fear. He's distressed. He's letting a bad report, or he's letting a report come to him and be heard as a bad report. And he's changed his focus. I put in your outline this. Our focus can become enamored with those who oppose us instead of on the one who prevails over all. How often are our thoughts on those people who come against us? Those people who say things against us. Those, things who, those people who do things against us. Instead of on our God who prevails over all. Jacob's thoughts right now, because of his feelings, are on Esau and the 400 men that are coming to get him, not on his God. He does at least have the presence of mind to to pray and to to bring God into this. He doesn't just go over to his feelings. That does help him. We've got to be careful to not just totally give over. What God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is spiritual. That cannot be gained through flesh means. Abraham could not get the blessing of God by using the handmaiden. That's not how the son was going to come. You cannot get what is spiritual through what is flesh. You can't do it. Don't try and do it. Don't walk in that, in that area. Jacob's major barrier to, to being free from this, it's, it's not with Esau. He looks at this battle. If I can get past this thing with Esau, I'm home free. How many of you have, are looking at something right now and you're saying, if I can just get past this and your eyes are on something in the flesh, something at your work, something at the home, something in your personal life, if I can just get past this, I'll have it made. Jacob's major barrier is not with Esau or Laban, but with God. It's with God. Wherever Jacob was, when he was with his family at first, he had a battle with Esau. He had a battle with his father. When he left there, he had a battle with Laban. When he left there, he's about to engage in a battle with Esau again. He's always seen someone as being in his way, someone as a hindrance. He had to get to that point where he finally found out, it's not those guys. I just need to get right with God and walk right with God and do what God says, and we're going to be okay here. For us... What we feel can be the barrier. Because I feel something, because I don't feel loved, because I don't feel that anyone likes me, because I don't feel like I'm blessed, because I don't feel like I'm prospering, because I don't feel like work appreciates me. Whatever it might be, what we feel can be the barrier. So I'm giving you four things here. Four things to do. First off, shut your mouth. That's the first thing to do. When your feelings are stirred up, the first thing you need to do is to shut your mouth. Think of it this way. If you have a plumbing issue in the home, and they say a sink 
has sprung a leak and water is going all over the house. Shut off the water. That's the first thing. Do you try and repair the sink? No. Do you try and catch the water? No. What do you need to do first off? Shut off the water. Whether it's the whole house or to that area where the pipe is, is having a problem. Whatever it is, you need to shut off the water. So the, the first thing you need to do when your feelings get messed up, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. That's the first thing. Now after you do that, fill your heart. Shut your mouth. Fill your heart. Put the word in you. Go in there and fill your heart with the Word of God. On the subject that you're having fear with. On the subject that your feelings are getting messed up on. Fill your heart with the Word pertaining to that thing. Don't, don't speak. Don't speak. But fill your heart. Here's the next one. Speak what you believe. Fill your heart. Develop some belief from the Word of God. And then open your mouth and speak it. Speak that. See, now you're ready to start saying something. Not what you feel, fear, or will settle for. Don't be speaking those things. Because sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll be saying, well, I'll settle for this. Now, not what you feel, what you fear, or will settle for. Don't speak those things. Speak what you can believe from the Word of God. Not what someone else can believe. What you can believe. What can you believe from the Word of God? That's what you need to speak with your mouth. Someone else may let's just pull out a, a, a health issue. Someone may have a health issue and you may heard that someone just prayed and believed God and that thing went away. And you go and you read the Word of God and you study the Word of God and you're getting faith, but you're not getting faith for that. You get, you get faith, Father God, I believe that if this happens, I believe that this will... Whatever it is you have faith for, that's what you can believe. All things are possible to Him who... Believes. you got to get some belief in there. If you can't believe it, it won't happen. That's why you got to be careful with what you say you're agreeing with with somebody else. If they can't believe it, they may have only said it because you told them to. Make sure you get them in a place of belief. In Romans 8, chapter 31, or 8, in verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the thing we ought to keep in mind. If God is for us, who can be against us? Is God for you? If so, what's the matter? Who's against you? What's the matter? 20 people have said, we're coming to get you. So, God's on my side. And just don't get all fussy about it. Don't your feelings get out of whack. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Don't lose sight of where your battle is. Don't fight people. Don't fight situations. Problems in the spiritual realm. That's where you need to take authority over. That's what you need to deal with. Don't worry about what reports you get. Who cares? Who cares? Believe the report from the Word of God. God, I don't care what the Word of God is, what, what the world is telling me. I don't care what the news reports are telling me. I don't care what the doctors are telling me. I just believe what you do. Whatever you said, I'm believing that. 
And you said a thousand may fall on my right side, ten thousand on the other. But it won't come near you. It won't come near you. So you just stand on that. Father God, that's what you said in your word. You said it won't come near me, so that means it won't come near me. Thank you for that. You just believe it. Fill your heart with what the word says. Don't speak out of, out of what you feel. How many know you've gotten mad, you've got your feelings all stirred up about somebody, and you said some things with your mouth based on those feelings instead of finding out and getting some clarity on it first? The same thing here in the spiritual realm. Don't speak out of your feelings. It's a pitfall. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Stay with the word. Shut your mouth. Fill your heart. Speak what you believe. Shut your mouth. Fill your heart. Speak what you believe. It'll help you out. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your, the way that you build faith up on this through your word. We're going to keep continually hearing your word, hearing your word, hearing your word. When our feelings begin to try and speak up, we're not going to speak out of our feelings. We're going to speak out of what we know from your word. It's not bad for us to have feelings. It's bad for us to speak from them. We need to speak from your word. That's where the power is. Thank you for the help that you give us in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we go this morning, this is our first Sunday of the month. Communion Sunday. We do this to remember what our Lord and Savior did. When he came to the earth, lived this life, and died on the cross for our sins, that we would have life, that we would walk in health, that we would have what he decided he wanted to give us. As our ushers are coming and bringing the elements, the Word of God says we need to ponder and to think and to consider ourselves. If I've got something against someone, as far as you are concerned, you let it go. Don't, don't hold on to that. As far as you are concerned, you just like, Father God, I'm not going to hold anything against that person. I'm going to let that go. It doesn't mean that you have to trust them. It just means you, just, you forgive them. And you release that. That's what, we can, that's what we need to do. That's our part. But in the, in the Word of God, before Jesus was betrayed, he gra- gathered his disciples in the upper room. And before the supper, he took the bread first and he broke it. He said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup. And he said, this represents my blood, the blood of the new covenant. It's two different distinctive parts because salvation has two different distinctive parts. And he did not want us to forget it. So each time we do this, we go over it for the purpose that we don't forget it. The first off, the body has nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins. The body has to do with the healing of your body. The blood has to do with the forgiveness of sins. And the Word of God is very clear. What can we add to the blood of Jesus Christ to make it work better? Nothing. The blood of Jesus Christ is all we need. It is all sufficient. If the blood of Jesus Christ is all sufficient for us to be forgiven of sins and to be redeemed into the family of God, then why is the body of Christ mentioned? Because healing of our body was just as important to him as the healing of our spirit the rebirth of our spirit. That's what he wanted for us. So he did it in two parts so that we would remember. The first part he started off with was the bread. 
And he said, take this bread. And as often as you do this, remember, this is my body, which is broken for you. He wants us to remember that in his body, he was beaten. His flesh was torn. He was unrecognizable as a man. He was beaten so badly. But he did that so that you don't have to bear in your body sickness and disease. So when we do this, just remember, sickness and disease he took. I'm not doing him any benefit by taking it myself. Let's eat together. Again, after supper, he took the cup. Whole, whole meal in between. But after supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. The blood of the old covenant covered up sin. And that's all it could do was cover up sin. It waited until the Messiah would come. But Messiah came, the, the, the blood of the Lamb. He would be the one. Jesus is the Lamb. As we drink together, let's remember. His blood washed me clean from all sin. Glory to God. Be reminded of yourself. If Jesus knew we would forget it, there's a reason. There's a reason. He didn't just, didn't just say, ah, you guys might not remember. No, he knew we would forget it. How many of y'all know people that have forgotten part of what was done on the cross? We have some praise reports. Let's hear the praise reports before we go. Praise God for healing power there. Um, he said God brought him a new client that just said, do the job and we'll pay you whatever it costs. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? It's like a blank check. <laughs> um, he says look, they were also paid in advance because they haven't done the job as of yet. So praise God. Um, here's a praise report from Vanessa for protection. She said, God protected me from a mishap with a deer this past week. Maybe you know that could actually total your car. <laughs> so praise God. Um, another one from Phyllis for financial blessings. She said, we received three very large unexpected checks. She says, God's showing us his favor and his love and blessing. Praise God. Um, Naz says, thank you all for your prayers. My mom made a complete turnaround. Hallelujah. She is calm and at peace with herself and recognizes everyone. Praise God. That's an awesome report. Amen. Yes. on the way. She ordered the one she wanted. Praise God. I like that. You know, you can tell God exactly what you want. He's going to give you exactly what you want. Color and everything. (laughs)